Welcome to the MCW Office of Faculty Affairs podcast. Hello, my name is Christina Rungi, and I'm Associate Provost for MCW's Office of Faculty Affairs. The OFA team created this podcast to provide information on topics that support your careers and help you flourish as a faculty member at MCW. In today's episode, we're talking about MCW's well-being resources, and we are joined by Dr. Jennifer Apps, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine and Assistant Provost for Faculty Affairs. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, why don't we get right into it? Let's let's just start off talking about MCW's well-being resources associated with COVID. Um, what can you tell us about what we have to offer? Absolutely. Shortly after COVID became a problem for all of us at MCW, we were able to initiate peer support groups. And that's been one of the greatest resources that we've really been able to bring to faculty, staff, everyone across the entire MCW institution. How long have you been doing this? So you said it was shortly after COVID. When did you when did you get a chance to start those? The peer support groups are a combined effort between the Department of Psychiatry, Office of Faculty Affairs and Human Resources, the Current Institute. Um, many people came together to really get this initiative off the ground. Within the first month of COVID really becoming an issue for the entire area. And what happened was we created groups based on a person's status and and kind of need. So if you were a faculty member and you were only available on Wednesday mornings, then we would have a group for you. If you were a staff member and you were only available Tuesday nights, we would have a group for you. And we created an entire host of different options for people that could meet their different needs and their different schedules. And the groups themselves were designed after some careful thought to be facilitated by a peer, but also by somebody who is a behavioral health uh, uh, trained individual. So the faculty from the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine were asked to volunteer their time. And we had a plethora of people step forward and, and who were willing to volunteer. So each group has a primary facilitator who is a faculty member um, from the department. And they also have a co-facilitator. And that was a really additional kind of cool thing we were able to do is we opened up the opportunity to all the learners across MCW. So it wasn't just our faculty and staff, obviously, that were really impacted by everything. But every learner across the institution was also immediately impacted by COVID either by pulling out of having to be pulled out of the rotations or suddenly not being able to participate in the learning process the way they wanted to. Um, aside from, of course, all the, the other things that impacted each one of us personally with COVID. And so those learners were also able to become co-facilitators and both learn from the experience of running the groups as well as then participate themselves. Oh, wow. So that actually created an opportunity then for, for education as well. So, wow. Yeah. It did. Wow. It's been a really neat experience. And the feedback that we've gotten has been universally positive, whether we are getting feedback on the experience of the facilitators and the co-facilitators, their involved, um, the increased independence that the co-facilitators had with the groups over time. The groups were originally designed to run for eight weeks. So the first round of groups ran for that eight weeks. And then several of the groups were going so well 
that they actually extended that um, indefinitely. So some of the groups are still meeting. Then at that point, we were also discovering that there was a need for some new groups. And so new groups were added. Some of those groups have specific interest areas. So there was a group added, for example, for those who had questions about uh, parenting during this time. Um, so there were some some support groups that developed based around specific themes as well. Wow. Okay. So how, if someone then wanted to find out, uh, how, how would people reach out and find out about a group that they might be interested in or, or want to join or see if there's a topic they're interested in? So how would people go to, to find this out? Absolutely. It, it's all on Infoscope. The really awesome thing is we were able to quickly put a very simple link on Infoscope through our COVID resources. So uh, we have quite a number of well-being resources related to COVID specifically. And that ranges from everything from how to be safe and, and stay healthy during this time, all the way through to some specific just individual, how do I keep myself well and healthy um, mentally, physically, uh, all those kinds of things, all on the COVID Infoscope resource page. And in there is a big box that links you straight to the peer support groups. And all you have to do is link in there and it lists the groups. And there's a real simple form that you fill out and submit. And then you're matched up with the group that you're interested in. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's that's really cool. I, I was not aware of that. That's really great. It's it's interesting to hear how this evolved. I, I knew about the groups at first and it seemed more straightforward, but to see how this has evolved um, is is really fascinating. So is, is it possible for someone who wants to just sort of show up to a group, but maybe might feel shy about participating at first? Is there is that okay? Or how, how are people engaging with these groups, especially if they've already existed? Um, can people join once you've started or how? That's a great question. So most of the groups are closed groups in the sense that when we think about any kind of, of peer group, we can it as kind of being that open drop-in style versus kind of a more closed group that gets an identified membership. And these really were purposefully designed to be a little bit more of that closed style. So the membership is selected and then the group starts and then it evolves over time. And certainly there is a little bit of flex. Some people might drop or some people might add a week or two in. If we have someone who reaches out through the HR link on Infoscope and wants to become involved in a group, what we've been doing is really handling that then on a case-by-case -case basis. So if somebody were to find a group right now that they were really interested in and reach out to, to HR and then and that group had already been meeting for some time, what they would do is they would actually just contact the facilitator and they would say, hey, you know what, we've got somebody who's expressed interest. Uh, do you feel that the, the dynamics of the group would allow them to, to join at this point? And then that really has been left up to the facilitators and the co-facilitators. And in some cases, that works out absolutely fine. In other cases, the, they may feel, you know what, the, the dynamic in this group is, is in a place where that might not be as welcoming. So if that were the case, then what we would do is simply find a different group that would meet that person's needs. Oh, my gosh. Great. Okay. So um, not everybody is cut out for groups <laughs> either. So, <laughs> so what, what would be, um, and, and so this is a fantastic option. I agree. I think it's it's actually really important right now for us to 
to reach out to other people and, and have some of these conversations feeling, especially given the background of, of isolation and, and being so separate right now. However, um, what are the different resources for people, for individuals? So if they're not looking yeah. for a group scenario, but they really have either really personal things that they want to discuss uh, yep. individually with someone or they just the group thing isn't for them. What are resources for individuals right now? That's also a really great question because you're right. Certainly the group format's not for everybody. We have a lot of additional resources that really cover a broad spectrum of types of interventions. So we always have the EAP available for all staff and faculty. Anyone who works for MCW has access to our EAP, which is technically called an employee assistance program. But what an EAP provides is really an opportunity to call and talk with a licensed individual about any issue you may be having. So that could be something emotional or uh, regarding your own coping with what's going on in the world right now. But it could also be questions about finances or legal questions or some issue you're having about maybe finding childcare right now or even finding elder care for an elderly parent that suddenly has become an issue because of everything that's going on. And, And that EAP can be a resource for all of those kinds of questions. So that's always available. And those that phone numbers at and link and and website are also very easily accessible on InfoScope. But some of the other things that we've also created and have available, we have something called the Coping Clinic. And the Coping Clinic is designed, again, in this time to pivot an existing clinic into an opportunity for our own healthcare workers to seek out individual sessions uh, if needed to help develop their own resilience and coping during this time. And this is a clinic that is staffed and run by our health psychology residents. And then those are supervised by licensed psychologists. And those sessions are free of charge, but are kept um, similar to the way that you would have a traditional therapy session. So that's available through, again, accessing information on InfoScope. We've also created an additional clinic that's called the Brave Clinic, and that actually is more designed to reach out to additional healthcare workers and community healthcare workers. So that has a broad access. So that would be for people, even if maybe you had a friend or a relative or somebody that you knew in the area that was really seeking resources, that might be an additional clinic as offering similar kinds of opportunities, um, but with a little bit broader broader base. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you. That's, that's uh, so many options. And I think also um, I'm aware of, I know some uh, departments are doing their own things and so, and the hospitals. And so there are, it's always probably good to keep eyes open and talk to colleagues and uh, about what, what other opportunities might be uh, more locally. I know there, we can't certainly can't list everything that's going on uh, across campus and at our regional campuses uh, here today, but I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that there are ways to find out about those as well. Yeah, that that's a really, that was, I was kind of thinking in my mind, how do I even begin to communicate all of those? And there, there are, there are a lot going on. So I, I would encourage people just to reach out within your department We have a a support our staff program, which is a a whole um, network of peer supporters across the entire institution throughout all of our departments. And those individuals are trained in helping to reach out to people, check in on them, um, recognize when people might benefit from a higher level of intervention and help people find access to resources. So you could find out who your peer supporter is in your area and talk to them. Uh, the, the different affiliates offer different opportunities to engage through 
online platforms or app creations that they, they've been working on. And so there's always different ways of finding out uh, resources. Wow. Okay, fantastic. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. This is this is so much really great information. And it'll be interesting to see. I know some of the resources we we have currently available, we've always had, for example, the EAP and the, the behavioral clinic, and, um, and we've been able to provide that. But it'll be really interesting to see after this COVID, and we've added some more resources, what actually kind of has legs can stick around, you know, because I think they're so Absolutely. important. And it actually addresses a lot of the issues around burnout and well-being that we were seeing before. So hopefully this is something that these are resources that can continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we all hope this time helps us to realize that it's important that we all talk about our mental health and our well-being all the time. And it it shouldn't have to take a crisis necessarily to bring us to that point. But if if that's a benefit that we get from this experience and we all recognize that we can talk a little more freely, be a little more open and support each other a little bit better, then then that will be a benefit. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining the OFA pod today. Really appreciate all the all the helpful information. Thank you so much for having me. The OFA pod is produced by the MCW Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, please search for Faculty Affairs on Infoscope. If you have questions from today's podcast or any topic, please contact us at facultyaffairs at mcw.edu. Thank you for listening.